0: Yes, and good morning to you. It is a pleasure. Go, baby. It's a pleasure to have you guys in the house of the Lord. And students, we're glad you are here. I, I didn't do the slap slapping hand thing because my hand's still like a little like, you know, I'm, well, never mind. But anyway, we're glad you guys are here. Are y'all glad to have our students up here on the front? Come on now. Come on. Yeah. See, they, they, could have, they could have done what a lot of adults do. I think we'll just sleep in today. It's Mother's Day. But they didn't. They decided to come to the house of the Lord, and we are grateful for that. In fact, we are grateful for each one of you. And you know, you know Mama's Day is just bigger than Mama's. I want you to be sure you understand that. You know, it's, it's, that's why I really wish we would call it Mothering Day, because you know, so many ladies may not bio, biologically bear a child, but man, have they poured into the lives of people so if you're here today and, and you have poured in as a lady, you have poured in the lives of others. Uh, some of you, you know, some of you students maybe had a special lady besides your mama that just almost like adopted you. Uh, we had a lady, Grandma Vida, at Cobden, and boy, she just adopted us. Both our mamas died when we were pretty young, and you know she came along and just filled filled our home with love. And so we honor all of you ladies out there who have mothered and, and are mothering and pouring your lives into others. It's also your special day. Well, here we are in day number two, week number two of our series, Days of Elijah. And I'm listening to this song, and I'm going, these really are the days of Elijah. These are days of, these are days of, of trials and tribulation. These are days of change and uncertainty. And I'm so glad that we serve a God who's so much bigger than that. And then as I was listening to the song, this came to me in the first service, is that this series, if it was to be boiled down to, to one word, it would be faith. Not not and of course faith directed in God. In God. You know, a lot of people have faith. You go out in your car and you turn the key and you expect it to start. That's faith. But I'm talking about faith in God. And so I really want to challenge you. I told the young man here on the front row, I said, man, today we're going to be talking about faith, so be sure and listen up. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to get your smart device out. I want to encourage you to go to more and events and open that thing up and hit save. And that way these scriptures and and quotes and and slides will be there until you throw your phone in the river. Um, As a teacher, as a pastor and your friend, for some reason I am motivated and driven to help you keep this stuff. You know, we often say, what what, what is the church doing to help me grow? Well, listen, I know here, here we do it every week. In small groups, we do it. We do it through fellowship. We want you to grow, but you've got to help us. And one of the major ways you can do that was the YouVersion app, one of the strongest tools you can use. So I hope you'll open it. If you don't use it today, save it. and It'll still be there, um, like saying to you, throw your your phone into the river. Well, you're probably wondering about this title. Um, barbecue in Beelzebub's backyard. Okay, where where did that come from? I actually, it came from the scripture. We're going to see today, and I won't give you the I won't, you know give the give the story away. But Elijah is going to have dinner in in Jezebel's backyard. Okay, and boy, trust me, she well represents Satan. So, but but there is a scriptural basis for this, and it's found in Psalm twenty three five. You prepare. A table before me. This is David speaking. You prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. And, and David, the, the great king, but also the shepherd, you know, writes this. And he's imagining, you know, he's, he's putting in words what we maybe all experience. He imagines all these enemies out there. And yet here God, now who? God. God prepare. Okay? This ain't your mama cooking. This is God cooking. Okay? So so, so he, God prepares a meal for David. And because, because his God is so great and so powerful, he can have dinner with all his enemies out there just waiting to kill him. Because his God is greater than his enemies. Now look at me. Your God is greater than... Than your enemies. Your God is greater than your uncertainty. Your God is greater than the things you are facing. That keeps you up at night. So we can have barbecue. In our Belgium's, Belgium's backyard. Okay. Knowing that our God is greater. Now we left Elijah. Last week. At the brook Cherith. And you might remember. And if not you'll write it down this week. That Cherith. Um, was an isolated place, a water supply, but the name Cherith meant uh, to be cut off or cut down. And we talked about last week how God had put Elijah there. Elijah is this, issues this, you know, mandate to Ahab, and then instead of declaring war, God says, "Now go hide." And the reason why was God was ready, but Elijah wasn't. And so, so God puts him in a place of solitude uh, for for some amount of time. We don't know how long. Preparing him for the war that was coming. And often the greatest things that we need are happening with solitude. You know, Oswald Chambers, this is a great quote from a man who lived a few years ago. But solitude with God. Someone needs us here today. Someone needs this here today. Solitude with God. Repairs. Somebody say repairs. Yeah, yeah. Solitude with God repairs the damage. Anybody feeling damaged today? Anybody, yeah. Anybody feeling damaged? Beat up by the world. Beat up by other people. Beat up by the church. Solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret, the noise, and clamor of the world. What a powerful, powerful truth. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 46 and verse 10, where, where the psalmist writes and says, you know, God declaring, he declares and says, be still. I love that that means, you know, the idea the imagery is striving, it's fighting. It's, it's, the, guy, it's the guy in the ocean who is doing everything he can to tread water and keep his head above water so he won't drown. And then, then it's the lifeguard, the rescuer, the redeemer, coming to that person. And before he approaches the person, because a person who's, who's thrashing in the water can drown himself and the redeemer and the rescuer. And so, so, so he stops bag and says, Sir, ma'am, stop. Be still. I'm here to rescue you. And so it's God saying, Be still. Stop striving and know one thing. I am God. God today is speaking to you. And in this series. Days of Elijah. Because there's plenty to thrash about. The last two years have been crazy. And I wish I could tell you. I've got a crystal ball. And i looked in the future. And it's not going to be crazy. Everything I can see from my little southern Illinois mind and world. And the way I see things. is going to get crazier before it gets less crazy. And this God is saying. Be still. Stop striving. I Am God, and that and that is just so so powerful. Something I wrote last week and didn't make the cut, but it's a really it's a good quote. Um, it says, you know, the weightier things of God, the, the things that matter, the the heavy duty things with God, the weightier things with God often require us to wait. When when God wants to do a great work, often we have to wait. Elijah is being prepared. For a great work. So what's our teaching point? Our teaching point is this. Until now. Remember Elijah's at Cherith. Until now it was God and Elijah. That solitude with God. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we have times of solitude. But God usually does not leave us there. He moves us on. So until now it was God and Elijah. Now watch. Now watch. And this is, if you remember last week in the message, I said, God showed me something in between first service and second service. This is it. Now, now, he is sent to share what he has learned with another. He's going to leave Cherith, where it's just him and God, and he's going to share with another a widow at Zarephath. In fact, her family. We call it today evangelism. discipleship God is preparing us, God uses us God equips us, God puts us in solitude, then he moves us to another place for the purpose of sharing the good news, now if I'm right and things might just get crazier and if I'm right looking back two years things have definitely been crazy uh, and perhaps you know crazy perhaps you um, are in crazy hey, perhaps you are crazy (laughs) and we have a message to share as God brings us through our crazy. And the message is. There's a God. And he's greater. Than anything we're facing. Anything we are facing. So we kick off with. With a repeat verse from last week. First. First King 17 7. Okay. And, and, and just says this. But after a while. The brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere. In the land. I, I really like this. Don't miss this. But after a while, you know, that is indicative of God's timing. Trust me, trust me, trust me. The brook did not dry up at any particular time. It dried up in God's chosen time. And whenever, I like this, whenever you add God's timing to a situation, what is natural becomes supernatural. What is ordinary becomes extraordinary. It's nothing amazing that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. You would expect, hmm, this is good, you would expect the brook to dry up. But the timing of when the brook dried up makes it extraordinary. Now listen, if you're in a place right now, and you, God has got you in a place of solitude, and He's, he's got the water going... He's got some some supernatural work doing in your life. Uh, ravens are bringing you uh, bread and, and bacon, okay? So, so God's bringing you stuff. You know, you, you're in that place of solitude. When things begin to change, don't be surprised. Be amazed at God's timing. God's timing. I love it when Paul wrote and I think I said 1 Corinthians 4, and I don't think really it might be 4, I can't. Who knows, right? 1 Corinthians 4, 4, or 1 Corinthians 15, 4. But, you know, it says, in the fullness of time, somebody say fullness of time. Yeah, yeah. in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. It wasn't arbitrarily. It wasn't, you know, a, a chance or circumstance thing. Right when God said Jesus came, okay? It's true in your places of solitaire. It's, it's true in the places that you're going through right now. God has a time, a time. So, so after a while, the brook dried up, and there was no rain in the land. Now, now this is very, very significant. Let's look at our teaching point. Now, so as the, days, as the days passed, the brook became smaller and smaller until it stopped. So perhaps you feel like you've been in a place okay, of solitude with God, but you sense changes coming. Well, Elijah, when he looked at the brook and saw it getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and one day it stopped, he knew change was coming. And this is the big one. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm telling you, you need this today. For those fed by their own hand, it is a time of distress. If for, the, for someone who took a camping trip for, for a month, out by the brook Cherith with no God involvement, no God involvement, no God involvement. When that brook dries up, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Can I just suggest to you that 2020 caught us totally unaware? And And when the brook dried up, we were not prepared. We whined, we complained, we were afraid, we sold, we bought. You know, whatever it was, we it caught us so unaware. It was a time of distress because I'm telling you, God did a wake-up call in the church because he knew we needed a wake-up time. And I'm telling you right now, we still need more of a wake-up time. God has got a plan. He is working out, and he wants to prepare us for what he has in the future, whatever that might be. If you've ever lived your life, And and frankly, to be honest, you know and I know, God knows, that perhaps you're not as strong with God as you should be. Well, when your brook dries up, you're gonna have a time of stress. It's predictable. Students, if you're you're young now and you're you know, you're going to small groups, you're learning a little bit about God and stuff, okay, your brook's gonna dry up. And that might look like, you know, mom and dad say we're done, we're gonna divorce grandma dies or grandmother, grandfather dies. You know, at school, you know, you're, you're bullied, you're picked on. Uh, you don't get what you think you'd like to have there at school. You know, if you're not ready for that, it's going to be a time of great distress. Mark it down. It will be. But, 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 but it goes further. For those fed by ravens, a time of anticipation. So, so if you're at this brook now, and you're in the brook, and it dries up, and no God participation, mm, that's the time of distress. However, what if you're at that brook, that time in your life, and every day, every day, God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted every day. Here comes the ravens; they're bringing bread and bacon, and then they're in the evening they're bringing bread and bacon. Okay, day after day after day after day. Well shoot, when the brook dries up, you go, I can't wait to see what God's got next. We we ought to be living that way right now. Amen. We should be saying after 2020 and 2021 and what we've seen in 2022, we ought to be we ought to be anticipating the next big move of God, not the next big move of Satan. We've got to get over this fear factor that we've got and be living a life of faith. My friend, he didn't correct me, so I'm assuming I got it about right. I've done a little bit of bird hunting, but not very much. But my friend Kerry Jones has a bird dog. And and they, they will go there and they'll let the dog go and the dog will go on point And they will move forward toward the bird with the dog on point, okay, until the bird flushes, all right, and then they shoot the bird. Now, you would think instinctively that the dog would immediately go after the bird, but the dog is trained to wait, and the dog waits until the master says, "Go." And I'm telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes, and I've seen it on television, where that dog will just sit there and be shaken, just just quivering, waiting for the master in anticipation, waiting the master to go, now go. And boy, that dog bolts for the bird. We should be quivering with anticipation about what God is going to do next. I'm Telling you, you serve a mighty God. I'm telling you, you serve an awesome God. I'm telling you, Satan is not calling the shots. Satan does not win. Our God does. But we have got to be a people of faith to live in these days of Elijah and live with that anticipation. So, are you living by, if you've lived by by your own hand, it's a time of distress. Or are you living by faith in God? And you understand this is a great time of anticipation. Anticipation. Well, so the Bible says in verse 8 and 9. Okay. So, still at Cherith. The word of the Lord came to him. God spoke. Remember? Time of anticipation. Okay, God, what do you have next? Okay. So, the word of the Lord came to him. And here's what he said. I want you to get up. I want you to go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Now, this sounds pretty crazy because it is. Zarephath basically was Jezebel's hometown. Okay? If you remember from last week, Sidon is a kingdom of people and Jezebel's daddy is the king. Okay, so so they have no time and no purpose or nothing for people who serve God, nor the God that they serve. Well, God goes, I want you to get up and go to Zarephath. Now look what, let me show you something. He didn't say, get up and go to Zarephath and stay there. He, he gave him something else. Because sometimes we need something else, don't we? Have you ever, you remember when Paul was saved? And and God sent Ananias to Paul to get the you know to restore his sight. And, and Ananias said, hey, God said, Hey, Ananias, I'm sending you to this guy named Saul of Tarsus. And instantly, boom, Ananias knew exactly who this was. This is, the, this is the Christian killer. And of course, Ananias goes, Hey, God, are you aware that he's the Christian killer? Hey, God, do you know? Well, what God does here is. He beats Elijah to the punch. Because if he just said, I want you to go to Zarephath and stay there, you know, Elijah might go, God, do you understand that's Jezebel's back, you know, back, backyard? God, do you understand that's Jezebel's hometown? Do you understand they can even spell Jehovah much less, much less like you? So he gave him a little bit more. Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. And by the way, I know. Someone say, I know. I know it belongs to Sidon. I know that. I'm aware. I'm not crazy. You didn't catch, I just didn't catch me off guard. Remember, I'm good. I'm, I can be trusted. I'm faithful. Okay? God, God do you, have you got that? And listen, I don't want you to get your hotel room and stay a night or two. I want you to stay there. That's just what he did at Cherith. You know, the Bible says, you know, Elijah moved. He stayed. He lived at, at Cherith. Well, now God just simply says the same thing again. I want you to go to Zerapath, that belongs to Sidon, and I want you to, to live there. I want you to stay there. And so, so our teaching point is very blunt. So if Chereth was a surprise, Zerapath was a shock. If, if Chereth was a surprise, go hide instead of declaring war, then, then Zer, have you ever had a Zerapath in your life? Did the doctor tell you something you weren't expecting? Did your husband and wife, did your mama and daddy tell you something you weren't expecting? You ever had a Zeropath? 2020 was a Zeropath. 2021 was a Zeropath. And this year is fast on track. It's a Zeropath. Zeropath was a shock. First off, number one, it was 90 miles from Cherith. Now think about that. You get in your car and you drive 60 miles an hour. It's going to take you an hour and a half. David's going to take you an hour and a half to get wherever you're going to go 90 miles. He's walking. There are no cars. He's walking. So God calls him to walk 90 miles to Cherith. And yes, it was Jezebel's backyard. And yes, it is the heart of worship. And again, all that would seem so crazy and so weird except for God. Except for God. Let's look at verse number 9, the second part. God says, look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. Look, I've, I've called a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. There's a lot there. Does that word commanded look familiar? It's from last week. God told Elijah, I have commanded the ravens to feed you. And I told you last week that God is not, our God is not a God who needs permission. I told you last week, our God is not a God of chance or circumstance. He's a God who commands. Somebody say amen. That's good news. I mean, He commands. He, he commands the forces of evil. He commands the very thing, the very thing that you're fearing right now. He commands. The very person that you're fearing, He commands. He's greater than the White House. He's greater than the Senate and the House. He's greater than Springfield. He's greater than Putin. Come on now. If, if he ain't, he ain't. But he is. He is. Look. I have been. Oh, and by the way, if God can command ravens, he can command widows. And if God can command widows, he can command us. If God can use ravens, then, and God can use widows, then God can use us. Now, the big deal about the widow thing is the fact that there was no support system. Generally speaking, on the economic stage, these people were poor. There was no, there was no state. There was no Social Security. There was no, uh, you know, widow's fund. The church wasn't even existent yet. You know, so, so it's, it's pretty lean pickets. And God chooses, commands a woman who's a widow, and here's what she's going to do. She is going to provide for you there. Alright, what's our teaching point? What are we supposed to take home from that, Dwayne? Well, here's what we're going to take home. Normally, this would have been made no sense. I mean, you know, again, if we were playing God, we said, hey, Jeremiah, there's this really rich dude who lives in Zarephath, and he happens to be a follower of me. This woman was not, by the way, but this guy's a follower, and he has decided, that, listen, I talked to him. He said he'll take totally care of you. Well, of course God would do that. God obviously would, would give you the richest guy in town, right? But he doesn't, because that's not how God works. Normally, this would have made no sense. But because of the brook and the ravens, it made perfect sense. Because of every day, Elijah going down to the brook and getting a drink. And every day they bring in biscuits and bacon, biscuits and bacon, bacon. And, and because Elijah learned God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted. When God said, a widow lady, No problem. If he can command ravens, he can command widows. He probably read my blog where every day I sign it saying he's got this. He's got this, brothers and sisters. He's got this. He's got this. So, so, so he goes. So, so he goes. And let's just get Charles Stanley there. And let's go down to verse number ten, B. Okay. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. Just got up and went. Because God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted. God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted. And watch what happens in the second part of verse number 10. So when he arrived at the gate, when he shows up at the gate, okay, there was the woman gathering wood. Now, I really like this, okay. He went to Zarephath. Skip that one. There we go. All right. I, I keep him on his toes back there, okay. So when he arrived at the city gate, there was, now I really like this. The King James specifically says the Most of your translations almost all your translations are simply going to say a widow. I believe the King James has got it right. Not only not only the first person he sees is a woman, probably from the poverty, the first thing he knows is she's very poor and assumes she is a widow, but in his heart apparently he understands because the way he addresses her, he understands that she is The widow. And this widow then is there and she is gathering wood. God is so kind to give Elijah a confirmation. So what's our teaching point? Well, our teaching point says this. God often rewards our faith with confirmation. Not every time. But God often awards our faith, our acts of faith... With confirmation, he confirms that you are following him. He confirms that what you're doing is in will and in his way. Um, when we came here in 2022 years ago, um, it was a big deal. Um, you know, pastors—not all the time. Now, this is a general statement, but pastors have a tendency to, to change churches for two or three reasons. Reason number one: you're in trouble. Rumors on the street, there's going to be a deconvinged Monday night and you're not invited. Okay? You know it's time to go fast. Okay? Number two, climb the ladder. Bigger congregations, more money, better benefits, better name recognition. Number three, you just try to follow God. When I came here, let's just say I definitely was not in trouble at Coburn. We had this this love thing going on that was crazy at Compton. And there was no trouble, so it wasn't that. When I came here, y'all paid me just about the same thing. It was a little bit bigger church, but y'all paid me just about the same thing. I got at Compton. So I I wasn't climbing any corporate ladders. It wasn't about bigger and better. I can honestly say it was about trying to obey God. And can I be honest with you? It made no sense to me. I don't think she would tell you it made no sense to her. Shoot, I think the whole family said it didn't make any sense. But we wanted to obey God. So I'm, I'm, I talked to the committee and all that stuff. And it comes time for, to preach and view a call. And I, I don't know. One of two things happened. I either asked God for a fleece, and I do not recommend that. If I did, I wouldn't do it again. But there's a possibility. I said, God, I need to know this is you. This is a big jump for my family. And I may have said, God, would you give me a 100% vote? Or it may have been, God just rewarded my faith with a confirmation. I don't know. But what I can tell you is this. That morning, we, of course, stepped out, and they sang a song, and And I think it was Donnie. I don't know who it was that brought the the ballots or the results. It was a 100% vote. And they said, in recent history, Dwayne, we cannot remember 100%. vote. You can't get 10 badgers to agree on anything. But God gave me that, and that enabled that confirmation, helped me to move from there to here. And that was pretty incredible. I still got the ballots on my desk. He said, here you might want to keep these and those ballots on my desk to this day. A confirmation Has God ever given you a confirmation? You may, you may ask God, God, I need a confirmation. But sometimes He doesn't give you one. It may be a career change. It may be what you're going to do, who you're going to marry, single or married. God, what, what do you want me to do? He may give a confirmation. But if He doesn't, and you've already read this, in the absence of that, He may give His peace. His peace. I've got a peace about this. It may be that. But either one shows his love and care for you. Are you ready? Did you get that now? Did you get the purpose of the story? God wants to give you, you know, in these great moments of, of time when, you know, God, are you calling me to a different job, a different career? God, are you calling me to do this or that? God will sometimes give a confirmation, and sometimes he will give confirmation. Um, is peace. Well, we better move on. <laughs> yeah, we better move on. Anybody got reservations for Mother's Day lunch? You might want to text them real quick. You know, First 1 Kings 17.10 continues. So there's this widow picking up sticks. Elijah calls her and said, Hey, please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. So, so Elijah is, is seeking confirmation. So, okay, God said there's going to be a woman, a widow, who's going to care for me. So he, he won. He seeks a confirmation and says, hey, would you bring me a little water? Okay. And amazingly, the Bible says in, in the next verse there, as she went to get it. So, so there's a first confirmation that God's going to use a woman to, to provide for him water and food. And the water is a done deal. The woman says, okay. Now, water was scarce. But it just wasn't impossible. Then though, he calls to her and said, Hey, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. So he goes once here, he goes one step further. He said, You know, first bring me water. That was difficult but not impossible. But now, now in this time of famine, he says, Hey, would you bring me a piece of bread? Well, look at her response in verse 12a. Well, she said, as the Lord your God, because she was not a Jehovah follower, as the Lord, isn't that interesting that God could use a widow who wasn't a follower of him? How interesting is that? As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked. Nothing. In fact, all I've got is a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. All I've got is this a little, little tiny bit. You know, I really like, and this is our teaching point. You know, God has never concerned Himself with the insufficiency of man. God has never, in, in doing His wonderful plan, He just doesn't sit up in heaven going, I would like to do that, but you know what? They're just not sufficient. Well, let me tell you something churches aren't driven by By the sufficiency or insufficiency are held back by the insufficiency of men. Nor are churches grown on the sufficiency of men. If they do, they will collapse. What God chooses to do is based on His sufficiency. Now, listen, listen. We would do well to remember 2020, that was not about our sufficiency, it was God's sufficiency. 2021 was not about our sufficiency, it's God's sufficiency. As we enter 2022 with war raging, inflation, $5 gallon gas, you know, it's just crazy. Our future does not rest on our sufficiency. It's based on Him. Come on, yes. It's based... Listen... I wish I could tell you how much you need this today, how much I need this today. We cannot depend on the government. We can't depend on jobs. We can't depend. We have got to depend on God. We have got to, we've got to lean on this incredible, incredible, incredible God. Well, she said, she said in verse number 12, be the second part. Just now, just now, I am gathering some sticks. That's what she said. I'm gathering sticks in order to go. Prepare it for myself and my son. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a little loaf, and we're going to eat that, and we're going to sit down and wait to die. That's difficult. That's difficult. I would like to help you out, sir, but I've got a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal. We're going to make a loaf of bread. We're going to eat it, have the last supper, and then we're going to sit down and wait for ourselves to starve to death. And Elijah said, well, okay, go and do what you said. Uh, not the dying part. Go go and do what you said, but don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. Don't you have to be afraid. Just just go and do it. Now now here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to make the bread. But I've got a caveat if you will. Look at 13b the second part. But first, somebody say but first. See, the Bible says Eli, I'm fixing to throw you a curve. Get ready. Okay? See, the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What Elijah was saying was, listen, go ahead and make your bread, but don't eat it. I want you to give it to me as God's representative. That sounds selfish, But you ain't heard the rest of the story. Listen, the key to living in days of Elijah, the key to living in 2020, 21, 22, the key to being an overcomer in these days, the key, students, the keys to your future is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. You worried about college? Seek first the kingdom of God. You worried about who you're going to marry? Seek first the kingdom of God. You're worried about your retirement? Seek first the kingdom of God. You're worried about, about how your life is going to pan out? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says, and his righteousness and, and live, right living, and all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. Do this first. He said, verse 13, make me a small loaf from it and, and bring it out. And and, and, I, you know, and then make for your own. Now, this is a great, shows a great depth of her faith. And what God needs for us to see our great depth of faith, you know, the depth of our faith is measured by the degree, degree that we put God first. Our faith is measured by the degree we put God first. If I were to ask you today to be honest, to what degree, to what level, to what depth is God first in your life? That's the measure of your faith. Has God come before? Your prestige, your title, your car, your house, the position you have at school, the, the honor role at school. Does God become first? The death of our faith is measured by the degree that we place God first in every area of our life. Now here's the big caveat. In verse number 14, he says these words. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. He goes, I'm not being selfish. I'm not asking you to give me the one loaf you got and let you starve to death. I'm not being selfish. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty. And the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. Now somebody say amen to that. That's an incredible, incredible promise. And guess what? See what it says? For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Elijah says, I'm not making this promise. So You've got to be careful when preachers promise things. See? But when God promises, you can take it. Okay? So, so this is what God says. You go ahead and make this loaf. Now, now listen. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're going to have to trust God with this. You're going to have to make that loaf and bring it to me. If you're willing to do that, here's what God said. Your your flower jar, uh, it's not going to be empty. And your oil jug, it's not going to run dry. And it's going to stay that way until the rains come. Until the rains come. That's incredible. Now, somewhere out there, somebody smarter than me, and they're going, yeah, preacher, that preacher's really good. And I bet it worked out really good for Elijah, didn't it? I bet it worked out really good for the widow of Zarephath and her family. That's great. Well, brother, that's Old Testament. And I don't have an oil jug. And I don't have a meal jar. Well, can I give you something else? It seems like there's a verse that a guy wrote in the book of Philippians. And I believe Philippians is the New Testament. And I believe this is a promise to the people of God. You know what it says? Here's what Paul wrote. My God. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, you can't can't buy the oil jug thing. You can't buy the meal pot thing. Can you believe the Word of God in the New Testament, written by Paul, that he says, my God will supply your need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus? Can we believe that? Can we agree on that? Dwayne, that takes a lot of faith. Man, it does. (laughs) And it says without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, here's our teaching point. She stood at the crossroads of faith. And she couldn't have her cake and eat it too. She couldn't say, I'll bake the bread, eat the bread, and okay, God, now I'll trust you. She had to give the bread away for the miracle to take place. She trusted God. One choice might delay the inevitable, her death, I'll go and eat the bread and then wait to die. The other would change her destiny. Such are the ways of faith. You may have the ability to manage your life on a short-term basis, but it doesn't change the inevitability of it, does it? But by trusting God, He can change your destiny. By ch- trusting God, He can change your destiny. There's this really cool verse in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. This is still the... I ran out of space to write this on my sheet, so I have to give you the Dwayne Taylor shortened translation. If the fig tree doesn't blossom, if there's no fruit on the trees, if there's no olive harvest and no food in the field, no flock from the field, no herd in the stalls, even so, I will try. What's your caveat with God? Have you you put him on a leash? God, I'll trust you if. If you change the stock market, if you change the White House, if you change the price of gas, if you bring the price of watermelons back down to a reasonable cost. God, if you will do that, I will trust you. No! God, if the stock market crumbles, if the White House is crazy, if the state house is crazy, if inflation goes crazy, if our culture continues to go crazy, God, I'm going to trust you because you're the only choice. Now, you'd have the alternative, but it ain't good. It's just not good. Days of Elijah. Days of faith. Well, we're going to give this a shortened thing. I don't know how long I am, but I'm longer than I'm supposed to be. In verse 15, so she proceeded, she obeyed. She proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. And then verse 15b and 16, we're going to be done. Then the woman, the widow woman, and Elijah and her household ate for many days. You know how many days it was? Till it rained that's what God said until it rained. The flour jar did not become empty. The oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. In other words, say it with me. God is good. God is faithful. And God can be trusted. That's it. That's it. And we are to assume, and I think it's a safe assumption, we are to assume that this widow of Zarephath became a Jehovah follower. The evangelism part. And that's the part, that's what this is all about, this, this Roman cross. You know, God said if we'll put his faith, our faith in His son Jesus Christ, if we'll believe that, that He was born, He lived, He died, He was buried and resurrected on the third day, if we'll turn from our sin and follow Him, you know, we can have eternal life. We can have heaven. We have Jesus with us as we journey through this life. And if we'll believe and trust God, he'll walk with us. I I, I don't know what the future holds. It's, it's too bad it became a cute coin fa- phrase. I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And that's our dearest father. Now, they, listen, we have got to learn to trust him. We as a whole, have walked by sight too long. I don't want these days hold, but we've got to live by faith. We've got to live by faith. And that's my prayer today. God, help me to live. Help us to live by faith. The team's going to come up and lead us in a song, and the altar's open today. This is a great place to tell God about your, your needs and also your faith and believe in Him. So if there's something going on in your life right now, uh, feel free to come. If you'd like to know more about joining our church, becoming a part of our fellowship, Brother Brent will be standing down front, and we'd love to tell you about that. And maybe you just need to tell God, God, I've and don't be, listen, 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 listen. Don't be afraid to say this. I, I say it a lot. God, I'm wrestling with trusting you. I'm wrestling with trusting you. Help me, Father. To believe. What, what did the boy say when, when Jesus came down from the mountain and the boy was convulsing on the thing? He was demon-possessed. And, and Jesus said, you know, anything's possible if you believe. And you remember what the Father said? I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's a good prayer today. Your heart's good. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, wow, thank you for this privilege. I I pray it wasn't overwhelming, Father, today. But Lord, let it challenge us. Let's challenge us to believe and to trust you. These are days of Elijah. These are days of great trial. These are days of tribulation. Help us to trust you. Help these students in the world that they are growing up in to grow their faith and to trust the God that they claim as their own. Help us as adults to do the very, very same thing. Father. we're about to sing this wonderful song David's chosen for us. Great is your faithfulness. It is more than a song. Make it our mantra today. Great is thy faithfulness. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name.